Welcome back to Bootability, a weekly interview series about the amazing ability people have to change our lives and the world if we're brave enough to tap into it. I'm your host, Jihee Jolly. Today we're talking about careers, an often requested topic that we plan to cover from many different perspectives on future episodes. Our guest is Louise Occasion, who started practicing Buddhism when she was in college and struggling with a deep sense of confusion about what to do with her life. Today, she's a corporate executive who has worked at some of the biggest entertainment companies in the world, but the journey to get here was filled with twists and turns. We'll walk through her story together, which is all about how to develop true confidence in your own voice and true humility if you do achieve success, especially in a competitive environment. But here's the takeaway up front. Inner transformation is a never-ending process, and along with being relentless in your efforts to achieve your goals, truly believing in yourself means looking honestly at what's holding you back on the inside as much as on the outside. Here's Louise. Can you tell me a little bit about how you grew up, where you grew up, anything about sort of your childhood and what kind of future you envisioned for yourself? Yes, absolutely. So I was born in Japan, actually. My dad was in the military. And when I was three, we moved to the United States. And the first city we lived in was Chicago. And I remember not speaking English. And um, I remember going to kindergarten and not even understanding what people were talking about. Um, And because I didn't speak English, I was very isolated, even at a young age, I really just hung out with my mom. So, you know, that actually kicked off this sort of childhood of being extremely shy. Um, and being really afraid to speak, even when I did learn to speak English. So, um, you know, we spent um, about five years in Chicago, and then we moved to San Diego. Um, My dad was stationed um, at the naval base in San Diego. And, you know, I would say, at the time, it wasn't the safest of neighborhoods. You know, I remember a time when my sister and I, you know, we saw people breaking into the apartment next door and all we could do is watch them take their belongings and call the police. And, you know, like, you know, in junior high, you know, we couldn't stand outside after school because there could be a drive-by shooting. I mean, that was the time. Um, And, you know, we would be sometimes in the midst of, you know, lunch at school and there would be a gang fight. So that's sort of the environment I grew up in. And, um, you know, looking back, I just really appreciate them. But at the time was very difficult. And I remember thinking, you know, I want to make sure that I leave this town. You know, I wanted to go to college and that was really my only way out. So I picked college as a way to leave that town. And I I decided I wanted to be a lawyer. And I'll be honest, you know, I was no one in my family had ever gone to college, even my extended family, like my cousins or, you know, uh, my aunt. So I just picked a lawyer because that's what I saw on TV and people Mm -hmm. talked about it. And I thought they made a lot of money. So that was sort of my dream at the time. Go to college, make money and be a lawyer. Wow. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's very pure. (laughs) It totally (laughs) makes sense. I I mean, I can I can imagine that. How old were you when you came here to the Um, US? To the US? I was three. You were three. Okay. Yes. And I probably started speaking English when I was about six after maybe a year in kindergarten. I see. So funny. I had that same experience, actually. I came when I was three going on four and I learned English around five and six. Oh, wow. I wonder if that's just like sort of the progress (laughs) we make as children. That's the age to learn. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's just interesting. It's rare to meet people who, because I often get like, English isn't your first language. And I'm like, technically, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Um, how funny. So, okay. So you, you grew up sort of in this environment as a child. You were like, I'm going to get out of here by becoming a lawyer and making money. Um, and sort of how and when did Buddhism come into your life? And when did you start practicing? Yeah, so I was born into this practice. My pa parents were very strong practitioners. But you know, when I was a, a kid, I did chant on and off. And I saw that it worked, but it just wasn't for me. You know, I wanted to hang out with my friends. I I wanted to do other things. So it was really when I went to college. So I actually made it to college. I actually ended up at USC in Los Angeles and I left my um, my city. And of course, being away from home, I'm sure many people have, have experienced this, but I just really had fun and I had, you know, my parents were strict. So I just partied a lot. And, you know, I actually picked a major. So I found out when I was applying to college that you can't just apply to be a lawyer in college. You actually have to study something else first before you can go to law school. So I ended up uh, majoring in engineering. So I didn't even know what that meant. I will tell you that I know my dad studied it in college. He never became an engineer because he joined the military. So I felt that I would be making my dad proud if I majored in engineering not really knowing what that was. And so I ended up at USC and I was partying and I was an engineering major and I didn't understand it and I didn't do well. And, you know, I got an F actually my first semester and I was put on academic probation and I didn't tell my parents. But at the same time, I struggled so much because, you know, I was, you know, we didn't have a ton of money growing up. My dad was very hardworking and I was going to school based on financial aid, student loans, and my dad put in his money. You know, we grew up in an apartment, like my dad never bought property. We lived in an apartment with bars on the windows. So my dad mm -hmm. saved his money so I could go to college because that was my dream. So when I found out I was on academic probation, I didn't really know what to do and I wasn't going to tell them. And you know, I, that's when I started chanting. So I remember chanting. And I started chanting to do well on my tests and to stay in school. And mystically enough, and we use the word mystically because there's no coincidences as we're chanting is, you know, I was at a party and I realized that one of my friends also chanted and we never <laughs> talked about it ever. And he was not doing well in school. And it was amazing because I sort of had a partner that we could encourage each other to chant. And we actually ended up going to Buddhist meetings, which I really never did outside of growing up. So, you know, that community there really helped me and pushed me to do better. I wouldn't say it did extremely better, but, you know, I got through that first semester and, uh, and you know, of course, I graduated from USC um, with that. So I would say that was the first time I started chanting for myself, but it was not consistent. And after that first semester, when I got off academic probation, I was not consistent in going to activities. And I think it's hard in college mm -hmm. um, because, you know, you're going home for the summers and it's not consistent. But, you know, what happened was in and out of that, I got a little bit lost on what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. I worked at law firms at the same time, trying to understand what they actually did. <laughs> and because um, I didn't know, right, it's I'm still learning. And, um, you know, I, I actually had a friend who worked at a toy company when I graduated, and it was Mattel. And I chanted for that because, you know, I thought it'd be so cool to work on toys. So, you know, I ended up working there. And what I realized is that, wow, like, I love working on toys, but I was an engineer, and I was testing them. And what I realized is that, 
people who actually market toys, marketers, are the ones who figure out what products to make, what they should look like, what the packaging looks like, and what the commercials look like. And I will tell you, I never, I, ne- I never even knew what a marketer was, mm-hmm. right? I, I had no idea. So then I realized that I wanted to go into that. And just around that timing was when 9-11 happened. And I'm bringing this up because this was actually the key point that allowed me to see the true um, actual proof of this practice and then has kept me connected throughout. You know, I took the GR, I was so lost. I took the GRE, I applied to um, engineering management school and I got in at USC again. And then I thought, okay, I don't want to do that. I took the LSAT because of course I was still pursuing my attorney dream. And then while chanting, I realized, well, I don't think I want to do that. And so here I was lost and then 9-11 happened. Mm-hmm. And um, interestingly enough, you know, I was extremely depressed. And I think, you know, growing up in that environment, extremely shy, I always felt like I wanted to be a different person. You know, I felt like I should be the people on TV in order to make it in life. So I always put this pressure on myself. And when 9-11 happened, at the same time, the, the guy I was dating, like he broke up with me and I was crying on the floor. My roommate at the time, she decided to move away back home to San Francisco. And I hated my job, even though I was making toys. I was an engineer and I was like, like I was so miserable. 9-11 happened. I was contemplating like all the ways that I could um, like not live anymore. And it was so hard. And um, luckily, you know, like I said, my parents are strong practitioners. So my mom literally took the train. She didn't drive. This little Japanese woman took the train and came to my apartment and, you know, made me actually go to one of the community centers. Mm -hmm. And that's when I connected with someone. And I'll be honest, I was very hesitant to go to these meetings, even though I grew up with it, you know, and to be and to share about my life at the time was very hard. Even to sit and chant was very hard. And um, I will tell you that I was desperate. I really didn't have anything. I didn't know what to do with my life. And I will tell you that just started chanting every day because that's really all I had. And in I would say in the course of two to three weeks, like everything changed. And I was so shocked. Like, how could this happen? You know, and so I ended up getting an apartment, paying the same amount I was paying, sharing and sharing um an apartment. Um, at my job, um, one of the executives in the company somehow just chose me to take under his wing and gave me these amazing opportunities. And I was traveling to Asia and learning so much. And the guy that I was dating, we ended up getting back together and he also started chanting. Um, so everything um, turned around like so quickly that I thought, you know what, I can never leave this organization. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I went from being so miserable to being like, in this place where I was so happy with my life. But Mm -hmm. at that time, you know, I was back to like, what do I want to do? You know, I was happier at work, but what do I do? And that's when I realized because of all the benefits I received from chanting, you know, finding the apartment, um, you know, having a, a wonderful relationship again, is like, what do I do with my career? And I went back to the, the, the marketing that I was so interested in. And this time I really chanted about, just becoming happy. You know, that whole time I was just chanting. I didn't really know what to chant. About. I was chanting just to be happy. And I decided that I want to go to business school to be to get into marketing. Because what I was told is that you're an engineer and you have an engineering degree. You really can't get into marketing. And honestly, your GPA was below a 2.5 when you graduated. You're not going to get into a top business school. Mm-hmm. So like you might want to rethink it. 
And so, you know, I really started chanting. Like, I just saw so much actual proof in my life. I was like, you know what? I'm going to make this happen too. So I ended up, you know, getting accepted to USC and um, getting my MBA while I was working at Mattel. And I was actually able to transition into marketing. And I worked on the most amazing brands, you know, Hot Wheels. I worked on Matchbox. (laughs) Um, I worked on board games. Um, so I've had just an amazing experience in that sense. And that was just a critical time. That was the turning point of my life where I really, um, realized that chanting absolutely works and to have that support to go to meetings where people just encourage you. And despite what everybody says in your environment, everyone there is so supportive and wants you to win. Mm. And since then, I've never gone away from it. It's so critical for me to have both aspects of chanting and the community. Mm. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for sharing all of that. First of all, I feel like it's um, just so real what you described of how you sort of felt when you graduated. And if it's okay to circle back a little bit um, and unpack that. So um, you said that you sort of felt like you had to be somebody else or the people that you were seeing on TV in order to succeed. What do you mean by that? Like, what were you sort of feeling internally at that time? Yeah. And, you know, I'll be honest, I still sometimes get that feeling. So I thought I had to speak a certain way and look a certain way and wear the right clothes, you know, and, um, and, you know, have the right college degree and just be from a different background. So, you know, while I was growing up and even in college, you know, I went to school with a lot of affluent people at just the nature of the college itself. Mm -hmm. And I never really wanted to share where I was from, Mm -hmm. you know, because I felt that I had a disadvantage. So I tried to be someone who I wasn't. And it's only till now where now I love where I'm from. And I love the fact that people don't even see me as being from a certain area or background, and I actually laugh and giggle at it. And I am so proud of it now. Mm, I see. And, and so also at this time in college, when you said you, you, this friend um, that happened to also chant, and you guys didn't know, and you started chanting together. Do you remember like a moment when you like really started chanting, when you, you felt like something in my heart needs to change and, and kind of how you felt after chanting? Because I think the benefits are super clear you know but I'm just wondering for someone someone who's new like trying trying to understand how you get from point a to point b something also must have started changing in terms of how you felt about yourself or how you felt about how you're spending your time or whatever it might be does that make sense yeah it absolutely makes sense you know it's interesting it was when I got my first f on a test where I realized that I probably would fail because it was consistent um the grades and it was no matter how much I studied I couldn't get it. And that's where it was that brought me into a depression. And the interesting thing is when I started chanting, because I was in desperation of what to do, because I felt I was trying my hardest, um, what happened was I felt something within me where I became more confident, like I could do it. Whereas every time I approached it, even when I started school, I thought I don't, I'm not going to get it because I don't even know what this is. Mm -hmm. And it gave me the sense of, I know I can do it. And, you know, the next exam that I took, when I took that exam, everything I had studied was on that test. Whereas before I would study and then I missed that part that was on the test. Mm -hmm. So it's, it, it showed me that, you know, I'm in, I'm in line and rhythm with the universe, meaning Like my brain could study the entire book, but if I'm not in rhythm, I would have studied the wrong thing. 
And mm-hmm. when I, st- I studied less, but with chanting, that wisdom came out what allowed me to really focus on what was on the test. Mm-hmm. That was my realization at the time. Yeah, that's so simple, but actually so profound. I totally know what you mean. Yeah, you just sort of, I always say, I feel like I must have said this before on the podcast, but like chanting kind of puts you in the right place at the right time and the right life state. That's how I understand it to work. (laughs) Yes, yes, 100%. (laughs) Yeah, wow. Okay, so so that sort of, um, let me just recap, you know, you, so you kind of grew up, um, in this sort of challenging way and decided that like education is going to how you be how you build this career and then you go to college and you realize that you do want to chant in college because of all of these kind of internal struggles and then you end up working in marketing um at this toy company which is awesome so um and you get an mba so i'm just curious the the story of the mba you know i I remember when we spoke you shared that you've heard no a lot of times in your life or you can't do that or you need to be x in order to do y that kind of a thing which i think many people can relate to so as much as you're comfortable sharing i'd love to hear sort of how you use chanting um to navigate that experience like when you decided i want to apply and maybe just sort of like the day-to-day if that makes sense you know so people who are who are in that situation right now can envision i want to do something that feels really hard or i'm not the type of person that would normally succeed at it so what do i i wake up in the morning and i just chant about it like sort of what steps did you take yeah that's it's a good question because i think a big part of um chanting and you know in conjunction with chanting is the action we take so mm-hmm. it was right around that point you know where I started practicing um, for myself it was you know the turning point where I was connected now to the Buddhist community and chanting consistently where I found that confidence to apply to school because as I mentioned you know every even recruit this is recruiters from universities saying you know your GPA is so low you know you probably won't get accepted you might want to wait five years or, um, you know, you're, you're, you have an engineering degree and then, you, you know, you can't get into marketing. So all these no's. And they said, even if you get an MBA, you don't have the experience. So it's going to be hard for you to get into marketing. So a lot of no's from all of these different places. But, you know, the thing about chanting is it gives you that wisdom. So part of it was, you know, I took a class, for example, at a community college to, I took a business class so I could raise my GPA or show at least I can get an A in this one class. So I took a finance class. Um, I also um, started to talk to the people within my organization, like the Mattel, my company organization, um, about how I could do it so that I could garner letters of recommendations from them. And then at the same time, like all of that was happening, I was chanting about it to to be able to do it. So it was all the action I was taking. And then of course I had to take the GMAT and get a decent score. So I did all of that. And that was probably within the six to eight months, I did all of that. And honestly, because I, I mentioned, you know, I was extremely shy to push myself to speak to people and to network was really hard for me. And I will tell you that, even being in a class getting my MBA, I had this sort of nature to reflect on every word I said in class. Hmm. Meaning I, I hated to raise my hand and in business school you have to speak, that's part of your grade to actually contribute to the class. And I would shake when raising my hand and it's because I had to, I was forced to, but I would reflect on every detail, even at work, even here talking to you, Jihi, in the past, I would have reflected on every word and then criticized myself for saying it. So then I would prefer not to speak. 
So all of that sort of inner transformation was happening while I was applying and knew I was applying and and that's what happened. So that was the transition for my inner sort of human revolution to be able to apply and then of course get accepted. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. I was getting like goosebumps as you're sharing because I actually I relate so much. I mean, the, uh, yeah, that's how I felt in journalism school. I was the world's shyest child. I mean, people were like, you want to be a journalist? <laughs> like, are you I kidding? cannot see that now. <laughs> I, you know, right? I honestly, I mean, oh my gosh. Yeah, I had to like pep talk myself before every interview. I mean, circle the block before wow. I had the guts to like talk to a stranger. I couldn't make a phone call, you know, in high school. Like, oh my gosh, I was a completely different person. So I, I totally understand that just, um, yeah, and I just chanted to like, have the guts to find my voice. I chose this career because I knew it would force me to do the wow. thing that was hardest. It's <laughs> amazing. Yeah, so totally, I completely understand. And that actually, that sets up really um, well, you know, how do I say? So, and I think many people can relate to this. It's sort of like you might have a certain um, set of conditions or circumstances that you're born into, plus your nature. And those are the things that tend to hold people back, whatever, you know, combination of things it might be. And then it sounds like you started chanting and then you sort of found your confidence and you found your voice and you were like, I'm going to do this. And you went to business school and you, you know, had a career. I assume you were making money at the time, you know, (laughs) but then there comes a point where you're like, okay, now I believe in myself a lot more. What do I do with the rest of my life? (laughs) You know what I mean? And like, it's just like almost, it's like a different playing field because now you have this new version of you that you're bringing to the table. So I'm curious because so much has happened since then. And I also know that you um, sort of came across a Buddhist concept that helped you start chanting about what to do next. So however you would like to answer, but sort of what happened next? Yeah. So, you know, my dream of getting into marketing, it happened, but you know, after working on TV commercials for the product, I really love being on set. And I thought, you know, and as I mentioned, you know, I was, I love watching TV and, and movies when I was young. I think it was just sort of this escape and what I could potentially be as well when I, when I quote unquote grew up and I decided I wanted to be in the entertainment industry. You know, we're in LA and we work around so many major studios. I thought, you know, I'm going to go market films and I want to work on movies and everyone, I'm not saying ever, I would say, you know, Buddhist community, of course, always supportive, but Everyone else said, well, first of all, you have an engineering degree, you're doing toy marketing for a few years, and um, you don't have that much experience that never happens. I rarely see people in that industry come from your background. So again, here, of course, like you take a minute and say, oh, yeah, you know what, that's too big of a dream. I can't do that. Right. Of course, like my the negative tendency is to say that. But, you know, because I had so much actual proof, I'm like, no, I'm going to do this. I'm definitely going to do this. So you know, I participated in a lot of Buddhist activities where I could speak and share because that is my, um, you know, we just talked about like, I don't like speaking, right? And, you know, being in these industries as a marketer, you have to speak sometimes in front of hundreds of people as you pitch your product. Mm -hmm. And um, that was a real challenge for me, like just chanting so much to have, I always chanted to be my best self. Because I and I, I slowly started moving away from that idea that I have to be someone else because I realized myself isn't that bad. And I've been able to be myself and do well with this practice. So I started moving away from that tendency and that the chanting allowed me to do that. So since then, you know, I 
I left Mattel, the toy industry, and you know I worked at Disney. Um, I've worked actually in video games um, at Electronic Arts. I worked on um, the Sims th- Sims Three, which is a PC <laughs> franchise. I mean, I got paid to play video games. I mean, and then eventually I did make it to Warner Brothers, and I worked on movie promotions and sat at the table with some directors and read scripts and this I I you know got to the place I wanted and was so happy and I and I think back about where I came from and I'm like how could I have done this you know someone who was extremely shy you know so confused about what I wanted to be I wanted to be a lawyer at this time you know when I was younger and here I am and um it really made me reflect and appreciate this practice. And it's really about who I have also become, you know, mm-hmm. like moving away from being in such a dark place and not even liking myself and trying to be someone else to someone who now, you know, made their dream come true and feeling more confident about who I am. And that's when I, you know, really started, you know, studying a little bit more about like, what is my purpose in life? You know, I've accomplished so much and I've been so fortunate to work in industries that I love and products that I love. You know, what is my purpose? And I came upon um, right when I was doing the the movie promotions at Warner Brothers, I came upon the study, you know, the concept of beauty, benefit and good. And it's really, you know, we study this in Buddhism about, you know, your ideal job is is beauty, something that you like or love. Um, benefit, you know, where you get paid, you know, at least to be financially secure. So you get paid well, and then good, which is, you know, contributing to the betterment of society. And, you know, I accomplished, you know, beauty and benefit. And I really wanted to now focus on the good. And how do I, you know, contribute to society and good working in these industries and working in a corporate environment where, you know, it's really driven by the revenue growth and, you know, the products that we put out. And I really struggled with that. And what I realized too, was that although I, my dream was to just work on films, I realized that, you know, it wasn't as what I thought it would be. And I ended up actually going back to the toy industry. Once I started, it's interesting because once I started chanting about the good aspect of the beauty benefit and good, Mm -hmm. I got an offer just without me soliciting to go back to the toy industry. So I went back. And here's where, you know, um, it became very interesting because, Jihee, it's it's funny, you know, like because of this practice, I accomplished so much because I know for a fact without this chanting, I would not been have been able to bring out my best self. I know for a fact. And because I still have that fear and but by chanting, I'm able to overcome that fear. So it's every day in my job because I am not that natural speaker. I'm not the most eloquent. I'm not even the most smartest, right? But it's just about like bringing out that bootability that I have that gives me that confidence to be able to succeed. But, you know, when I went to the toy industry, I went in there so arrogant. So this is where, you know, as part of chanting for good, and I didn't make the connection until later, but you know, I became so arrogant, like, oh, they want me to come back here. And I will tell you, you know, at this company, I took a fledgling small business and it became the top three business in North America. So again, able to bring about these great, you know, results in business, but I was very arrogant. And, Mm. you know, I was at this company for seven years and 
you know, I felt I deserved to get to the next level because in my career, every time I chanted to get to the next level, I was able to do so. I'm not going to say easily. Of course, I worked hard, but, you know, here it was a little different because I was there for seven years. I built a business. I actually moved around, learned a lot and did multiple things. And always in the back of my head, I thought I deserve to be promoted. Why am I not promoted? And um, the executives in the company, you know, asked, did a review on me, a 360 review, it's called in business. And it came back and everyone said how arrogant I was. And I didn't know I was arrogant. Uh, So I felt I I felt arrogant inside, but I did not know it reflected in my environment. So when I saw that, I didn't agree with it, of course. And I really started chanting about it. And there's another Buddhist concept, which is called the oneness of life and environment. And what I realized and, you know, what that really talks about that concept is the interconnectedness of ourselves and our environment and everything that I'm seeing, the obstacles, the people that I think are not helping me or the hurdles are a reflection of myself. And when I say myself, it's that inner heart, that inner mind that sometimes we may not even know we have these feelings or tendencies, mm-hmm. but they were they're, they were deep inside and they were manifesting in my environment. Mm-hmm. So... I really started chanting about it and how that's tied to good. You know, how am I supposed to reflect good when I can't even reflect good in my environment and people think this way about me, especially about, you know, as being a Buddhist and what I stand for was so the opposite of that. So I really became humble and really started chanting about it. You know, how do I change within myself to change my environment? Mm. So it just became about that and about how can I really support other people to see their boot ability when I cannot even see mine. Mm -hmm. So I started really chanting about that. And, you know, I had different projects where I was so humbled and things started to change, but you know, it's not going to take it. I said I was there for seven years. It's not going to take other people seven years, but I think that was what I needed to go through to be able to be the leader I am now to contribute that good. Mm. And I really needed that, that I'm going to call it training because every day was a struggle for me, but I appreciate it now. And after when the seven year mark came up, I actually did get promoted um, within that company. And, you know, as I chanted about it, I just, it didn't really matter what title it was anymore. I just saw myself as a different person and people seeing me in a different light where I was super proud of that. And then, you know, as I continued to chant, I was actually offered a job to now run a startup after I got promoted. So, you know, even though it took me seven years to get that promotion while becoming a better person and leader in business, you know, I had already jumped again to the next level. So, Mm. you know, nothing is wasted in Buddhism, right? Like I needed to go through all of that, all of that inner transformation, which we call human revolution in order to change my environment and then get me to the place where I needed to be. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing all of that. And also so honestly, um, it's, I was thinking it really reminded me of um, a few years ago, this, encouragement that um you know a friend from our buddhist community shared 
with a group of young women. We were talking once and, you know, people were sort of feeling like, I feel so far away from my dreams. I'm not near what I want. And I'll never forget her saying, you need to first become capable of handling your dream. Like if your dream comes true today and you're not the kind of person that is going to be able to handle that level of success, it kind of reminded me of what you're saying. Like if you are arrogant or you are still too like not confident or you are whatever it might be, it's different for everybody. (laughs) So yeah, totally. It makes sense. That's really amazing experience and that you also just took it to heart and decided that I'm, I'm going to become humble. (laughs) It was very hard. It was very hard. But I think that's why we practice, right? Because, and the thing too is sometimes, because after the movie marketing, I didn't really know how to chant anymore because I felt like I had accomplished like what I had worked so hard to get to. And, and I didn't know what my next goal was. So Mm-hmm. And I just really started chanting about that good. And this is where I ended up and, you know, to get me to that dream. And sometimes I think we don't know how vast our dreams can be, mm. you know, because sometimes we get so set on, I want to do this one thing, but because like just as vast as this universe is, like our capability and our ability to contribute to society is much more than our human minds can sometimes think about Mm -hmm. and that's what's amazing about this chanting is it opens it up and sometimes you're not even aware and I feel like the universe starts to shift with our chanting and moving in that direction of your dream Mm, absolutely yeah it's like you sort of learn the lessons that exactly the lessons that you need to learn in order to move um, effectively (laughs) towards your dream yes I'm I'm always so interested in like the moments people have when they realize something or when they start to feel different, especially um, again from the perspective of people who are new. It can it can it can seem so. Wow, that's great for you, but here I am still feeling like crap. You know, <laughs> I don't yeah. know how I'm gonna get there. <laughs> so I'm just curious um, because we talk so much about inner transformation and believing yourself, believing in yourself on bootability. Um, this period of time where you were like, okay, I'm chanting about good. This is the promotion that I want. I want to be able to do more. Um, but this is the feedback that I'm getting from the people around me. How, when you sat down to chant, sort of, what were you thinking or what were you feeling or sort of what was in your heart at the time? Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Um, you know, it's a struggle day to day. And I will say that I have to chant in the morning to be able to bring out my best self. And and that's the way I chanted. I don't know if there was anything specific more than that. And I felt, you know, just studying that concept of, you know, one night, oneness of life and environment where I knew it started with me. And it's actually a very empowering concept because if our environment is a reflection of ourselves, then that means we have the power to change it. We have the power to change our environment by, by starting with us, right? And so every morning, the way I would envision it, and sorry if this sounds strange, but like the more Namio Horenge kyos I would chant, I felt like I had a bigger shield. So imagine like Captain America with a shield. And every day I know for a fact, when I walk into the office, I'm going to encounter some sort of challenge. Mm. But the way I started chanting about it is the more I chanted in the morning that the bigger that shield would become. So that shield would protect me from being influenced 
by the negativity. So it wasn't that there was going to be no negative, negative things happening or obstacles. It was more about what is my reaction Mm -hmm. to the things that are happening in my environment. And so that was what I was transforming. So it wasn't like magic, like, okay, everybody's going to be nice to me today. And like, (laughs) everything's going to happen. It was more about myself and my reaction and how I perceive things. So I always thought about when I'm chanting, the more I chant, that bigger the shield gets. And I needed to do that so I could have a big shield as I went into the office. And that's how every day I was able to transform just slowly but surely. And then my environment started changing as my shield got bigger. Mm. That's actually a really great analogy. I like that. (laughs) When you say like, um, so that you're not influenced by external negativity, what specifically do you mean? Like, do you mean just how people are perceiving you or were there other sort of like um, challenges that you were facing that were bringing you down? Yeah, I think, it. you know, if we were in a meeting talking about a project and someone said they couldn't do something or was something was going to be late before I would get so upset and sort of come down on them on why. But, you know, this time I could tap into their bootability Right. And we could solve the problem together, but it was started from my perspective. So Mm -hmm. I wasn't physically a different person or I wasn't being fake and I can't explain it. But when I chant, it didn't bother me like that shield. Right. Mm -hmm. It that shield literally like it didn't bother me. And it wasn't something that I faked or was not genuine. And Mm -hmm. that's what I mean by that shield. It for some reason, okay, and I can't explain it, whereas it would have made me mad six months ago with minimal chanting, when someone gave me bad news, I was able to just figure out how to solve it in a very collaborative, I'm going to say a Buddhist way versus Mm -hmm. getting angry. And that's the part that I can't explain that chanting does. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, it's so interesting. I love hearing that those little details from people because it yeah it, it feels inexplicable you're like why am I reacting this way I normally react this <laughs> exactly. other way yeah so people totally. are like why are you smiling I'm like, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> that is so funny so um I just have one one more question that um I am curious <laughs> about um also just being a woman in corporate environments, you didn't mention that as playing a role at all. Maybe it did, maybe it didn't at all, which is, is totally fine. But I'm I'm curious if you had to really like, as you're climbing this ladder over all of these years, did you, was there anything that you were navigating in terms of just being who you were in the spaces that you were in? Because that is something a lot of young people are struggling with today, you know? Yeah, and I think, you know, it goes back to of what I what I thought I should be or what I should look like or how I should speak. It it went back to that. So yes, it's it's a struggle. And I think for me it became more so of a pain point because I thought I had to be like what you see on TV or what you see around you, which is not me. And um, you know, my current job, which I didn't speak about, so, you know, Once I got that promotion, I left to run a startup, but the same executive from the other company that thought I was arrogant became the CEO of a global multi-million dollar company that um, he's now leading. And he actually hired me to work directly for him to be on the executive team. So that right there is a shift, right? Now I'm working again for him, um, leading a business. 
um, and as a woman of color in a, an area maybe where you don't see as much of it and in, in an industry where there's very little diversity. So that's where I am now. And I, I will tell you, so the thing too about Channing is I got to a place where I'm comfortable with myself. I'm not comfortable all the time, but with chanting, I feel so confident about who I am and that it's okay to be compassionate and be a humanistic leader. And I don't have to be arrogant because I think I was playing those roles that I had, I thought I had to be because I was mimicking what I was seeing from other people. Mm -hmm. And so now I feel more confident about who I am. And, you know, you know, if you go to the company website, I have pink hair and I have purple hair now. And that's not typical of people in my position. And I, I do it because I'm now who I, I am. Like I'm happy with who I am Mm -hmm. and it's, it's what it is. Right. And, and so, yes, I, um, encounter it more so now, I think, because now I'm at the executive level, I've achieved that point. And I, I realized that good. So I want to go back to that good, just to close the loop on that good, the, the beauty benefit and good. So, you know, I'm never, I'm not, in the industry where, you know, I'm, you know, helping people in a direct way. So I really challenged myself and chanted about like, how do I contribute to good in the corporate environment? And what I found is, you know, and this is just a recent realization, just being in this company now for about eight months is that as an Asian American woman, even with pink hair, (laughs) I realized that I have a voice and that, you know, how can I use where I am? And I, I just want to clarify too that I've only, I, I don't want it to sound arrogant because that's where I come from, but I'm only in this place now just with myself being happy about who I am and in the role in society in corporate America because of this practice. Mm-hmm. Because every day I still struggle with a lot of the fears I had, but I know with this, with the bootability I can bring out with Channing, that I will be successful. So, you know, as part of that, it's now, it's like I've, I've now obtained like the success that I've wanted, you know, reaching this point of being an executive in a huge company, working on these iconic hundred year old brands. What I realized is that I have a voice. And through Buddhist wisdom, I have this platform to share. First of all, I want to help other people see and bring out the Buddhability in themselves. And what that means is that I need to be the best self possible every day. Mm. And also what's happening in society today, you know, as an Asian American woman, I want to just bring back like, you know, there's a lot of the anti-hate movements happening. And I feel that I'm in this position at this time so I could be a voice in that. And, and even if it's just in my company or in the industry work or in my social networking circle, like I, I feel that that is part of my mission now. Out of mm-hmm. all of the experiences I had, where I grew up and the struggles that I've had, I feel like I have a different voice and a perspective and I want to bring humanism and compassion to the workplace. And that starts with me. And I'm going to say it's not easy just hearing my experience. You probably know like that. It's a struggle. But now that is my main focus versus climbing. And of course, I have dreams. I still have, you know, where am I going to go my next path? I still have that dream. But right now it's like in every step that I take now my path, I want to use my voice. And, you know, where I am, I want to contribute to society to really fulfill that good aspect of the beauty, benefit and good. Mm. 
Yeah, that's that's really beautiful. I um I was just thinking, you know, um, I don't know what the right analogy for it is, but just this uh, experience with of with, with arrogance and then shifting into how you know being just so yourself that yes, you do have purple hair. <laughs> Um, you know, it just, it makes me think of this, um, the analogy of sort of like the hose, like when you start chanting for something, the like mud comes out and then the water starts (laughs) flowing through, you know what I mean? But actually it's such an important point because it, it, I mean, yeah, in like a very competitive corporate work environment, we hear this all the time. People do model arrogance as a way to become successful. And so it's so easy to become arrogant and think that that's how I need to be successful and just never realize (laughs) Yes. So in a sense, it's like you kind of have to go through that and then realize, actually, we can do it another way. And I think so many people will appreciate hearing that. And I'm encouraged hearing it. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, okay. I just have um, one final question, which is how I always like to end with a little bit of advice. Um, So for anybody who is listening, you know, who's new to chanting, or maybe they have been chanting, um, but they kind of feel like they're not sure what it is that they want to pursue in life yet, or maybe they have a sense of their dream, but they feel like where they are now and where they want to be is just the, the distance is just too far. What advice would you give to someone who sort of is listening and feeling that way? Yes. So I, I'm just going to speak from my own experience. And yeah. I think the wonderful thing about chanting is you could chant as you are, right? So sometimes we don't know exactly. And you've heard sort of this journey that I've had and, and it's just shifted along the way, you know. And so, you know, when we chant, I think it's about setting a goal, whatever it is. And it's just try different things too while you're chanting. But I think the key here is that to never give up. Um, and sometimes, you know, the path that we have is that point from A to B is not necessarily a straight line. And I think we'll learn that in Buddhism. So, you know, as we chant, sometimes we'll have to venture off that straight line that you were hoping for, and you might have to just take a few detours, but you will eventually get to your goal no matter what, you know, our dreams are so vast and we shouldn't limit ourselves. And, but the Chanting is not magic, right? It's about polishing our lives so that we can become the best selves so that when we get to our dream and our goal, we are successful and we are extremely happy. And I think that's the point is no matter what with this chanting, we're going to be absolutely happy. So have the biggest dreams. I mean, look at mine. I mean, I don't even know how I did it sometimes, but have the biggest dream and just try a lot of different things and just keep chanting and never give up. What I love most about Louise's story is that it's so important to be yourself, even if you're pursuing a path where no one looks like you or comes from the same background as you. Chanting Nam Myoho Renge Kyo along the way and applying Buddhist concepts to the small everyday interactions that we have is a sure path to building a career you love. We'll cover more career stories in the future, so if you have any requests, feel free to send me an email at podcast at sgi-usa.org. And as always, check out bootability.org for more stories on the topic or to get connected to a local community. That's all for today, and we'll see you next week.